morning and welcome to our Sunday School Hour. I invite you to stand as we sing hymn number 29 at the cross. Hymn number 29 stated as we sing this morning. unless you celebrate a birthday and anniversary for the past two weeks because we didn't get you last week. A couple of birthdays right here. I sing happy birthday right there as well. All right. Happy
Praise the Lord. It's good to be in the Lord's house today, and it's a whole lot warmer than it was uh, last Sunday, that's for sure, and so, so thankful for that. Uh, baby news, uh, Brother Stephen and Miss Reagan had uh, little Stephen Miles uh, Monday uh, afternoon, evening, and um, he was uh, 33 weeks along, and so he's going to remain in the hospital a couple of more weeks. So if you would pray for them as they navigate these next couple of days, uh, going back and forth and so forth. Uh, Miss Reagan's been released, but she's spending a lot of time there, of course, uh, with him. And so if you would be praying for them during this time. Uh, church cleaning, this is the last week for the sign-up sheet back there. And so if you've been meaning to sign up, it'd be a great time to sign up. It'd be a great help and uh, cut a lot of expense in the church, not having to hire to have it clean. And so if you want to be involved in just a simple way to minister uh, to the church and be a blessing, that's a, just a great way to do it. Ballot nominations, um, those are due uh, by this afternoon. Uh, if you got a ballot and you filled it out, drop it in the box back there. Uh, when you fill that out, uh, the, the big requirement is that you ask the person that you're putting their name on, okay? Because there may be some reason. Uh, that they don't want to be uh, in that area or for uh, whatever reason. Uh, so make sure uh, that you talk to them before you nominate them. Uh, ladies meeting uh, this Thursday, 7 o'clock here at the church. I invite all the ladies to come. Mrs. Chen's going to be speaking, and uh, I know it will be a real blessing to you. Annual church business meeting on January 31st, so that will not be this Wednesday night, but the next I encourage you to plan uh, to be here, church members, and uh, we'll look over uh, the blessings of last year, uh, pass a budget for the coming year, and have the election of officers, all those kind of things. And so I encourage you to be here for uh, January 31st. Um, prayer requests, uh, we're redoing our prayer bulletin. We do this like every quarter or whatever, just to kind of uh, keep it cleaned up. And so uh, anybody that's on the prayer list, and you want them to remain, you need to let Brother Lalo know. And uh, his email is here. Uh, you can text him, uh, whatever. Uh, but if you want him in there, you need to let him know. Couples retreat, uh, February 15th, 16th, or 16th, 17th. Uh, and you can register online at livingunited.com slash Branson Couples Retreat. And uh, then if you do that, we'd ask that you might sign up in four years so we kind of know who's going, what day you're going, just kind of help uh, plan that way. Uh, missions conference coming up February 28th through the 3rd. I'm excited about our missions conference this year. Uh, we have two new couples that we do not already support, and hopefully we'll be able to support them. Uh, the Carters are going to Portugal. Uh, the Sandellas are going to Chet. And then the Grits, we already support. They're in England, and so uh, excited about that. And uh, I see that there's already sign-up going on for the rooms uh, for the Saturday night uh, banquet. Uh, if you have any questions about that area, you want to talk uh, to Miss Alice Foster. And uh, it's going to be just a great time. Hopefully you're praying about what the Lord lets you do for the cause of missions uh, for the next year. And then uh, many of you know that Mrs. Cooper passed away on Thursday. And uh, such a sweet homegoing. Uh, they were playing some uh, hymns there in the room, and uh, she just went to heaven. What a great way uh, to pass. And so her funeral is going to be Friday night at 6 o'clock here at the church. 
And so we encourage you to plan uh, to be here. Um, and uh, we'll look forward to a service. And then following that, uh, they're going to have a potluck dinner. And so um, if you are able and you'd like to uh, come for the service, bring something for the potluck, stick around fellowship. Miss B would love that, you know, just fellowship. And she always enjoyed those things. And so uh, I'd encourage you to plan uh, to be here to be a blessing to the family and then uh, to spend time uh, in fellowship as a church is always such a blessing. So our prayer needs here on the back, uh, continue to pray uh, for all these that are listed here and ask God to intercede on their behalf. And uh, I know that God would be glorified there. It's good to be in the Lord's house uh, today. Going to have Brother Foster come and lead us in another song. And then we'll dismiss to our Sunday school classes. God bless you for being here. Stand once again. We'll sing hymn number 205, the first and the last verses of He Keeps Me Singing. Hymn number 205. There's within my heart. Class, we're in lesson number seven. There's a new handout. Okay. Brother Potts will be in here just in a minute. And while you're waiting on that, you can be turning your Bibles to Esther chapter number nine. So, as we approach chapter number 9 up to this point, we understand that uh, Esther has made her petition known, and the king has uh, he's made this, uh, he's allowed her then to, through Mordecai and all the wisdom that God has given, this opportunity for the Jews to defend themselves against this decree that has been made, and this is where we find ourselves here in chapter number 9. And just to kind of set the scene or of what we'll be discussing today, uh, the Lord is certainly always working for our good, and we understand that, and we see it through the Word of God, and we can give testimony through our life 
when we're going through difficulties and we may not understand how he's working it for our good, but we know that he does work for our good. And he's certainly working for good of the Jews as well. And whether that's through times where he's disciplining them that they might get back uh, uh, their hearts right towards him or uh, just whatever the case might be, God is working that he might have the heart of the Jews. And here is, is no different in Esther as we see this story unfolding. And that reminds me of Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 10 where it says this, When it goeth well with the righteous, the city rejoiceth. And when the wicked perish, there is shouting. So that, that verse uh, there kind of sets the scene for what we'll be discussing in Esther chapter number 9. And we have a lengthy passage to read this morning. But if you join me in Esther chapter number 9, we'll begin reading in verse number 1. Now in the twelfth month, that is the month Adar, on the thirteenth day of the same, when the king's commandment and his decree drew near to be put in execution. Now this is the decree that Haman had made. It's, about, it's drawing near. So in the day that the enemies of the Jews hoped to have power over them, though it was turned to the contrary, that the Jews had rule over them that hated them. The Jews gathered themselves together in their cities throughout all the provinces of the king Ahasuerus to lay hand on such as sought their hurt, and no man could withstand them, for the fear of them fell upon all people. And all the rulers of the provinces and the lieutenants and the deputies and officers of the king helped the Jews, because the fear of Mordecai fell upon them. For Mordecai was great in the king's house, and his fame went out throughout all the provinces. For this man Mordecai waxed greater and greater. Thus the Jews smote all their enemies with the stroke of the sword, and slaughter and destruction, and did what they would unto those that hated them. And in Shushan, the palace, the Jews slew and destroyed five hundred men. And Parshandatha and Dalphon and Aspatha, I may be mispronouncing these, but this is the way they come out for me, and Paratha and Adalia and Aradatha and Paramashta and Arasai and Aradai and Bajasatha, the ten sons of Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews, slew they, but on the spoil laid they not their hand. On that day, the number of those that were slain in Sushan, the palace, was brought before the king. And the king said unto Esther the queen, The Jews have slain and destroyed five hundred men in Sushan, the palace. And the ten sons of Haman, what have they done in the rest of the king's provinces? Now what is thy petition? And it shall be granted thee. And what is thy request further? And it shall be done. Then said Esther, If it please the king... Let it be granted to the Jews which are in Sushan to do tomorrow also according unto this day's decree. And let Haman's ten sons be hanged upon the gallows. And the king commanded it so to be done. And the decree was given at Sushan. And they hanged Haman's ten sons. For the Jews that were in Sushan uh, gathered themselves together on the fourteenth day also of the month Adar and slew three hundred men at Shushan. But on the prey they laid not their hand. But the other Jews that were in the king's provinces gathered themselves together and stood for their lives, and had rest from their enemies, and slew of their foes seventy and five thousand. But they laid not their hands on the prey. 
On the thirteenth day of the month Adar, and on the fourteenth day of the same rested they, and made it a day of feasting and gladness. But the Jews that were in Sushan assembled together on the thirteenth day thereof, and on the fourteenth day thereof, and on the fifteenth day of the same they rested, and made it a day of feasting and gladness. Therefore the Jews of the villages that dwelt in the unwalled towns made the fourteenth day of the month Adar a day of gladness and feasting, and a good day, and of sending portions one to another. And Mordecai wrote these things and sent letters unto all the Jews that were in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus's, uh, both nigh and far, to establish this among them, that they should keep the fourteenth day of the month Adar and the fifteenth day of the same yearly, as the days wherein the Jews rested from their enemies and the month which was turned unto them from sorrow to joy and from mourning into a good day that they should make them days of feasting and joy and of sending portions one to another and gifts to the poor. And here we find the title of our lesson today in this portion here in verse 22, from morning to a good day. Uh, so we see quite a, a multitude of events here unfolding here as they uh, go against this decree that's been made against them. But they fight very well, and God is on their side, and we see that they come out uh, victorious uh, in this portion of Scripture. Now, as we relate this to our life, and we understand there are seasons of difficulties that we go through, and those seasons of difficulty are certainly emotional times for us, where we, uh, we have those uh, peaks and valleys through those uh, emotional times. But with God's grace and trust in His sovereignty, they become bearable and even victorious. And no one could testify to that truth more than the Jews living in Persia during this time, the time of Esther. So Haman, who was second in command in the Persian Empire, hated the Jews and had set in motion for their genocide. Now, we still see this today, uh, this sentiment of anti-Semitism, that's still a problem in the world, and in 2021, the American Jewish Committee published a study that concluded many American Jews are changing their behavior and are doing it for this reason, uh, to conceal their heritage or conceal their identity as a Jew due to concerns about anti-Semitism. Four out of ten American Jews, 39% say they have changed their behavior out of fear. 25% have avoided posting content online that would reveal their uh, Jewish uh, nationality or their vows on Jewish issues or their views. 22% refrain from publicly wearing, carrying, or displaying items that might enable others to identify them as Jewish. And 17% avoided certain places, events, or situations out of concern for their safety or their comfort. Younger Jews are significantly more, uh, more likely to have changed their behavior due to concerns about anti-Semitism. With more than half, 52% of those between the ages of 18 and 29 saying they had taken steps to conceal their Jewishness or limit their activities. Orthodox Jews uh, were also significantly more likely to have taken one of the steps detailed above uh, with over half, 57% saying they have done so, including 43% who say they have avoided certain places, events, or situations due to concerns about their comfort or safety as Jews. So we understand that this is real and is still going on today and that uh, there are those who hate the Jews, God's chosen people. 
Uh, but we as Christians need to understand that we need to have love not only for Jews, but for all mankind. Uh, but God loves the Jews and we ought to love them as well. So the day of Haman's proclamation for the destruction of the Jews was of the 12th month, Adar, which would be our march, and the 13th day of the month. So as we saw in our previous study, God used Esther and Mordecai to protect the Jews from this decree that Haman had made. And after Esther revealed her Jewish heritage and Haman's plot to kill her people, the king and Haman executed uh, and gave Mordecai Haman's position. So they executed Haman and then Mordecai becomes uh, the man in that position. So as Mordecai gains this position, he sent a new decree into the king's uh, kingdom, declaring that when the day of Haman's proclamation came, the Jews were allowed to then defend themselves against those who would try to kill them. We saw that in Esther chapter 8 and verse 11. So God's hand of protection is once again seen here uh, over His people, the nation of Israel, as it had been many times in their history. Some of the grimmest days in world history took place as mere boys went off to World War II and many to never return. And some of the gladdest days in American history were VE Day and VJ Day marking the victories in Europe and Japan. Even in black and white pictures from 1945, the contrast between grim determination and glad victory celebrations are clear. So as we read the book of Esther, uh, the before and after contrast of the Jews' response to the decree of self-defense is obvious. They went from public mourning to a place of glad rejoicing. So over the past two weeks, uh, we have seen a very dark hour of the Jews, almost entirely uh, the annihilation, but today we see the aftermath of euphoric jubilance of God's intervention and salvation. So God intervened for them on their behalf, and offered a way of escape from this evil decree. So even the non-Jewish leaders in Persia saw that the tide had turned and began to help the Jews. Notice this in verses 3 and 4 of our text here. It says, And the rulers of the provinces, and the lieutenants, and the deputies, and officers of the king helped the Jews, because the fear of Mordecai fell upon them. For Mordecai was great in the king's house, and his fame went out throughout all the provinces. For this man, Mordecai, waxed greater and greater. And I, it helps me, uh, or I can't help but think of those who just switch sides because they want to be on the winning side. <laughs> they want to be on the side that is victorious. And, and they understand, and it could be out of fear also, they're understanding the power that Mordecai has now in the kingdom. And they want to be on the side of the man who is in power. And so they began to help the Jews, and they began to see uh, what the Jews are doing, and they want to be on that side. And so today we'll see three wonderful results from Esther's pleas to King Ahasuerus as she um, pleaded to him on behalf of the Jews. Her first plea was for the protection of the Jews. The protection of the Jews. So this is the most obvious result of Esther's request before the king. And that was that she wanted to make sure her people were protected. So as we just noted, the king allowed Mordecai to write that counter decree that the Jews would be able to defend themselves against Haman's earlier decree. 
Mordecai's new decree allowed the Jews uh, to defend themselves from their enemies, but it didn't stop there. It went a step further. Part of God's protection of the Jews included the king's favor. Not only was the decree going forward that they could protect themselves, but God was also turning the heart of the king uh, in favor of the Jews. Not just to Esther and Mordecai, but to all of the Jews. So we see here the king's favor. The king noticed something noble about the way the Jews fought. And as you can imagine the scene here, as onlookers are seeing the way that the Jews behave. Now, please correlate this to the way that we need to conduct ourselves in our testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ today. Those around us are watching, and they're looking to see how we behave and what we do. And it's no different here for King Ahasuerus. He's watching the Jews, and he's watching how they conduct themselves, how they behave. And verse 10, it says this, But on the spoil laid they not their hand. Now what would be the attitude or the behavior of others? They would want to take all that they could. But here, the spoil laid they not their hand. The Jews' restraint is mentioned two more times in this chapter, in verse 15 and verse 16, where it also says they laid not their hands on the prey. So the Jews, we understand, were defending themselves against a fierce enemy, but the fact that they did not take the spoils of war for themselves gave a strong testimony of their purpose in fighting. It was not for themselves, but rather for the glory of the Lord. They were not in it for the money or possessions. They simply stood to defend themselves and their families. They wanted to preserve their people. We must think about times in our lives when we must take a stand for Christ and for truth. And boy, I tell you, we need to do that in our lives today. We need to stand for what is right, and we need to stand for the Word of God and the truths that it presents to us. And it's during these times that we should remember that our cause is not money or popularity, but rather that the truth of God might be upheld, that He would be honored and glorified through our lives. Now, we know there are those who would use Christ's name for their own gain or for their own glory, but that is not our cause and that is not our purpose. As the king saw the nobility of the Jews in refusing the spoils, it seems he also wanted to make up for his mistake in believing Haman and receiving Haman's bribe. The king now again offers Esther anything she would like. What is your petition? What would you uh, require of me? In verse 12, he asked this question once again of Queen Esther. Now what is thy petition? I've allowed this decree to, to be put in place that you might protect yourselves as the Jews against Haman's decree, but now what is your petition? What else could I do to help this matter? And it shall be granted thee, or what is the, thy request further, and it shall be done. So we see here the queen's final request. Esther did have two bold requests, and they would send a loud, clear message of deterrence to anyone who would consider coming against them to destroy the Jewish people. We see that in verses 13 and 14. Then Queen Esther says this, If it please the king, let it be granted to the Jews, which are in Sushan, to do tomorrow also according unto this day's decree. And let Haman's ten sons be hanged upon the gallows. And the king commanded it so to be done, and the decree was given at Shushan, and they hanged Haman's ten sons. So Esther's request was this, that these ten sons of Haman would be executed. 
We infer from this request that these sons of Haman had been among those who took arms against the Jews. They were still the enemies of the Jews. And her request was that they might be eradicated. Warren Wiersbe says this about this scene unfolding. He says, since the Jews were not the aggressors, it means that the ten sons of Haman had taken up arms and attacked the Jews, and all ten of them were slain. The bodies of the ten sons were hanged on Haman's gallows as a warning to the enemy. The sight of ten corpses on Haman's gallows would certainly deter the Persians from attacking the Jews and would result in the saving of lives. It would be quite a deterrent to see the Jews victorious and to see the Jews winning the battles and then to see ten sons of Haman hanging there upon the gallows. So Esther also requested that the Jews be given an additional day to continue eradicating the enemy. She had God's wisdom to understand that even after the first day, there were still enemies of the Jews uh, plotting to kill them. In fact, we see this in the next verse, verse 15. For the Jews that were in Sushan gathered themselves together on the 14th day, also of the month Adar, and slew 300 men at Sushan. But on the prey they laid not their hands. So the fact that we see here in verse 15 that the Jews slayed 300 more men uh, on the 14th day of the month shows that there were still people intent on massacrating the Jews or massacring them. God gave the Jews the king's favor. The king's heart was turned towards the Jews and he was on their side, if you will. And he gave Esther the wisdom then to make these final requests. So what was the result of these requests? Well, the result was this, that the Jews were preserved, that they were saved. And we see this in our third section under this point, the Jews were preserved. So this is God's plan, that He wants His people preserved, and He wants to protect them, and He wants to provide for them. So the danger to the Jews was not just in Shushan, but throughout the entire empire. Remember, the decree went through the whole kingdom of King Ahasuerus. And thankfully, God's victory and preservation was also throughout the empire. And we see that in verse 16. But the other Jews that were in the king's provinces gathered themselves together and stood for their lives and had rest from their enemies and slew of their foes 70 and 5,000. But they laid not their hands on the prey. So at this time, Israel's conquest is complete and it was successful. In this one day, 75,000 of Israel's enemies throughout the Persian Empire were slain. Now the Jews could be at rest throughout the entire empire. And I'm thankful that the story doesn't end there. The story goes on. The great victory called for celebration. So we see uh, Mordecai's decree is successful. The Jews have defended themselves against the enemy. They've slain many of them. And now we see the praise of the Jews. And this is in honor or in recognition to what God has done in answering their prayers. So God heard the prayers of His people and He had miraculously preserved them from destruction. The Jews responded by praising God for His protection. And our response to God for all that He does for us should be the very same. We should praise Him and give honor to His name for all He has done. Notice from their response two components of praise. Verse 17 says, On the thirteenth day of the month Adar, and on the fourteenth day of the same rested day, 
and made it a day of feasting and gladness. So first we see that of rest. So how did the Jews express praise to God? They rested. After this great victorious day, the Jews rested from their enemies. The 13th day of Adar had been a great day of fighting to preserve their race, but that 14th day became a day of rest. For the Jews in Shushan who continued fighting on the 14th and 15th day became the day of rest in verse 18. So the Israelites went from a place of trouble, distress, and fear to that of rest. And that's a wonderful thing to come through a, a time of difficulty and then experience that peace and rest that only God can give, understanding that the burden has been lifted. It reminds me of the time that uh, you're saved and when that burden is lifted and you experience that great peace and there's a, a great calmness that comes over us and a, a time of rest, understanding that we are no longer under that bondage of sin in our life. So the Israelites, a time of trouble, distress, and fear came to a place of rest and peace. Thus these days in the month of Adar turned into a time of rejoicing rather than mourning and sorrow. And this is a beautiful demonstration of how the defeat of evil brings peace and joy. And that brings me back to the verse that I referenced earlier as we opened the lesson in Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 10. When it goeth well with the righteous, the city rejoiceth. And when the wicked perish, there is shouting. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted. But it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. We often don't think about it in this way that rest is an expression of praise. And how is that? But it's this rest that we experience in these times is actually essential. There are two kinds of rest that we as God's people should thank God for. The first being this, a spiritual rest in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 9 says, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into this his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. So what is this rest? Well, the rest is in the finished work of Jesus Christ for us. No striving to earn God's favor. That's certainly a joy uh, that we understand that it's, it's not our works that allow us to be saved, and it's not our works that keep us saved, but it's all of God. And it's something we should praise God for every day. So we have the spiritual rest in Jesus Christ, understanding that He's done all the work for us on Calvary's cross and paying the price of our sins. And we can simply place our trust in Him for salvation, and we can have rest in our souls spiritually. Then we also need physical rest. We are not merely spirits, but we also have bodies, and God made our bodies with a need for rest. So during this particularly intense season uh, of their lives, <laughs> going against enemies in battle certainly took a toll on their physical bodies, and they needed rest. And we see it throughout the Word of God, and we see it uh, also in Mark chapter 6 and verse 31, where Jesus pulled His disciples aside and said that they needed a time of rest. He said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. 
For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. We understand the need for physical rest. And we understand that it, it renews us, it allows us to be ready for the next day and to, to uh, endure those things that we would face in that day. So we need to recognize that we should not underestimate the need for both of these types of rest, spiritual and physical. Physical rest is restorative to our minds and bodies in an irreplaceable way. So not only did they recognize the need here to praise God in the realm of rest, resting spiritually, resting physically, but then they also praised God through feasting. So in conjunction with their rest, the Jews feasted, verses 20 and 21. And Mordecai wrote these things and sent letters unto all the Jews that were in all the provinces of the king Ahasuerus, both nigh and far, to establish this among them that they should keep the fourteenth day of the month Adar and the fifteenth day of the same yearly. So Mordecai, remembering that he is the king's right-hand man, is, was now highly respected throughout the Persian Empire. And he was able to use his influence to send letters throughout the kingdom to all the Jews to call for celebration. Because of the great victory the Lord gave for the preservation of Israel. So the Israelites established this as an annual feast. The word translated feasting appears 20 times in Esther. Some of the feasting is evil and some is good. The feasting here is obviously good feasting. It is feasting that is celebrating victory over evil. The celebration was indeed a good day. Therefore, the feasting was not a drunken uh, exhibit, but a wholesome celebration. It is fitting to celebrate the victory of good over evil. So what a time of rejoicing here the Israelites are experiencing. Remember the, the change in the tide and how God wrote this story and how He changed uh, the scene and the outcome that was uh, predicted for them or predicated upon them and how they thought that they would be eradicated because of the decree. And then God moves in such a miraculous way, as only God can do. And you can imagine the praise and the rejoicing in their hearts. So no doubt this was also a great time of reflection as they consider what God had done for them. God had come through, and God had provided in a tremendous and miraculous way. So that caused them to come to a place of pondering. And we ought to reflect on what God has done for us. The Jew celebration was not going to end that one Adar night. The feast was only the beginning of more feasts to come. In fact, verse 22 tells us about the introduction of a new Jewish holiday. Let's read down through verse 30 from verse 22. As the days whereon the Jews rested from their enemies, and the month which was turned unto them from sorrow to joy, and from mourning into a good day, that they should make the days of feasting and joy, and of sending portions one to another and gifts to the poor. And the Jews undertook to do as they had begun. And as Mordecai had written unto them, because Haman the son of Hamadathai the Agagite, the enemy of all the Jews had devised against the Jews to destroy them and had cast pure, that is, a lot, to consume them and to destroy them. But when Esther came before the king, he commanded by letters that this wicked device, which he had devised against the Jews, should return upon his own head. 
and that he and his son should be hanged on the gallows. Wherefore they called these days Purim, after the name of Pure. Therefore, for all the words of this letter, and of that which they had seen concerning this matter which had come unto them, the Jews ordained, and took upon them, and upon their seed, and upon all such as joined themselves unto them, so as it should not fail, that they would keep these two days according to their writing, and according to their appointed time every year, and that these days should be remembered and kept throughout every generation, every family, every province, and every city, that these days of Purim should not fail from among the Jews, nor the memorial of them perish from their seed. Then Esther the queen, the daughter of Abihel and Mordecai the Jew, wrote with all authority to confirm this second letter of Purim. And he sent the letters unto all the Jews to the hundred twenty and seven provinces of the kingdom of Ahasuerus with the words of peace and truth. And we see that this holiday is still celebrated today by the Jews as they continue to remember what God did for them and providing for their salvation from the enemy. So originally Haman here had passed, had cast pure, which was a lot to determine when to destroy the Jews. But as the Jews celebrated the defeat of their enemies, they named the new holiday after these lots. And we see that as the Jews... um, in this day, Purim was widely celebrated holiday in the Jewish culture. On the day of Purim, celebrated the 14th day of the Jewish month, Adar, usually February or March. The Jews began their celebration at the synagogue. So uh, uh, this is the way in which they celebrate this time of Purim. They listen to the entire book of Esther. Can you imagine uh, being a Jew and, and hearing this story over and over every year? As much like we do at Christmas time where we go through the Uh, Luke chapter 2, and we hear that story, and we rejoice over the birth of Jesus Christ. And these Jews, they're rejoicing over the deliverance that God provided for them. And I know, not not being a Jew, I get excited for them, for what God had done for them, and how He had provided a way of escape for them from their enemy. So every time Haman's name is mentioned, they will rattle noisemakers or stamp their feet to dishonor his evil name. Purim is also a time for giving to the needy, sending food gifts to friends, and feasting with friends and family. On this day of remembering a time the Jews needed to band together, the Jews celebrate by thinking of others and enjoying the company of close friends. So God in this story had taken uh, this day that would have been a day of mourning, and He turned it into a day of celebration. And as we saw in our text here, that God has certainly made this a good day for the Jews. And for whatever difficulties we go through in this life, understand that God can make it a good day. God can get the glory, and God can turn things around for us. Now understand this, that we've already received the victory in our lives because we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. That's all that we need. Uh, Knowing that we have a home in heaven. So as Paul understood this that it doesn't matter what men would do to me how they would revile against me it doesn't matter my life is to be lived for the cause of christ and to bring honor and glory to his name for all that he has done for me the salvation alone is enough but god is such a good god that he desires to bless us with many benefits over and over daily his grace and his mercy are new We ought to be thankful for the Lord that we serve and understanding how He works on behalf of those 
uh, that he loves, and he desires to work in our lives as well, as we see him work in the lives of the Jews here tremendously in the book of Esther. Heavenly Father, we're thankful today for this book of Esther that encourages us and just reminds us of how good you are. Father, we're thankful for the way that you uh, worked in this story, and Father, that uh, you worked on behalf of your people, and Father, when the days seem bleak and that the outcome, sure, um, from their enemy, Father, you turn things around, and you put the Jews in a place of prominence, and Father, you put right in a place, in a position uh, where it could have influence. Father, we pray that for our nation today. Father, that you would take the evil that is among us and that you would uh, turn the hearts of those towards you, that you would put those in place that might have uh, a desire to follow you and to serve you with their lives and set things straight in this nation. Father, we pray that you would just guide and direct in our lives personally. Help us to determine to do that which is right and to serve you faithfully with our lives and understanding that you are a faithful God and worthy to be praised and worthy to be served and Father, we pray that you just help us to determine those things in our life. Help us to draw comfort and strength from this book of Esther as we see how faithful you are. Father, guide us and direct us now in the service to follow. Open our hearts to be receptive to your word. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for your kind attention. We'll meet right back in here at 1030.